Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. I really, really think this is going to be a podcast that will help and really energize many of you in your journey with God. Uh, Before I jump into that, uh, I want to mention two things. First of all, there's a book opportunity. If you'll go to my webpage, Gerald Brooks Ministries, uh, dot com. You will find that there's an opportunity where if you buy the book, Ladder Focus, it's a book that I wrote with a very dear friend of mine, Samuel Chan. Uh, the book will cost you $15, but here's the deal. If you buy that book for $15, you get any of my other books free. So basically, you're getting two books for $15. I'm just telling you that's a deal. Ladder Focus is about uh, the inward organization of how you develop it and how you begin to mold and make it. And so I just want to encourage you that if you will, uh, take advantage of that. Second thing, um, I've received so much feedback on the last two podcasts, the don'ts of problem solving. Uh, And I want to mention that to you because what happened was we had to reset some things last month and a lot of people didn't even see part two come up. And because they didn't see it, they didn't get to glean. But basically, if you take those two lessons, you have 12 to 13 principles that really got your problem solving skills. And if you haven't listened to those, I'm telling you, the people who have listened to those have loved it. Many of them have taken it to their key leadership teams and have discussed it and reviewed it with them. Where are we doing these? Where are we not doing these? Uh, The testimonials I'm getting from businesses, from churches, from individuals on just problem solving skills has been uh, pretty profound. So if you haven't gone back there, I want encourage you. So again, book opportunity. Also, if you haven't listened to the prior two podcasts, I think you will find it uh, just so helpful. Today, I want to talk to you about keeping your heart in the game. Keeping your heart in the game. Now, when I say that, it's very critical that you understand the nature of who you are. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul says this, I pray that the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y. That means completely that God would sanctify you, set you in the right position, set you in the right order, spirit, soul, and body. Now, what we know is that you were created with three dimensions to you. Uh, Most of creation has one dimension. Uh, Higher levels of creation have two dimensions, but only man has three dimensions. But what happens is we live in a world that we see function on two dimensions. And because of that, what happens is that becomes the model that we react to. But you can't live that way. You have to live on three dimensions, spirit, soul, and body. But that spirit in the Bible is also described as your heart, not your physical heart that pumps blood, but the heart, that core center of you, that part of 
you that makes up the reality and the identity of who you are, the part of you that hopes, the part of you that dreams, the part of you that hurts, the part of you that aches, the heart part of you that wants to thrive in the part of you that at times can cry. And so we're talking about the heart, keeping your heart in the game. To me, one of the worst things I ever see is to walk in a room and look at someone who's leading, but their heart is no longer in the game. They're going through the motions. They're doing everything right, except the most important part of their life is no longer engaged. Now, let me take this over into leadership. Christian leadership is different. To lead, you have to lead with your heart. Now, I'm making a designation here that is so critical. Christian leadership is different. To lead, you have to lead with your heart. See, in the rest of this world, job fields, you can excel in the rest of the world without your heart. But you can't excel in Christian leadership without your heart. Now, what I'm saying is, is that there are very talented, gifted people who are out there and are doing tremendous things in our society. You can be the top of the financial world. You can be the top of the business world. You can be top of the real estate world. You can be top of the educational world. You can be the top and you can do all of those things based on talents, ability, giftedness. Yet it not necessarily every moment of your day require your heart. But in Christian leadership, your heart has to be there. So let me just give you sort of, um, you know, heart leadership 101. Point one, you can't lead without your heart. Just write it down. You can't lead without your heart. Point two, to change a heart requires a heart. See, the nature of what I do every day is measured by one thing. How did I impact other people's lives? Not how did I impact them naturally. How did I impact them spiritually? Did I impact their heart? And here's what I know. I can't change a heart without giving my heart. But what I also know is that means I'll give my heart a whole lot of times where people will not accept my heart. And that's one of the difficult things when you put your heart out there and someone rejects it, someone ignores it, someone doesn't want to embrace it. But when you do that, there's a high pushback level. But what we know is the most important decisions that people make are heart decisions. And you cannot change your heart without giving your heart. We also understand that heart energy, whatever you want to call it, the way a car needs fuel, it needs gas, the way a fish needs water, uh, the way we need air. We know that in the spiritual dynamics, heart energy is the hardest energy to gain, but it is the quickest energy to lose. And it's because of that that you have the writer of Proverbs saying in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20, protect your heart. Protect your heart. 
Then he goes on because out of it comes the issues, the forces, the energies of life. Heart energy is the hardest energy to create. It is the easiest energy to lose. Now, our heart creates the core content of our life. So, core content, it's just basically the guidestones. It's sort of the North Star. It's sort of the the moral compass. It's sort of the, uh, the energy, the passion, the enthusiasm. It creates the core content. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 5 says this, Now may the Lord direct your hearts. See, our heart is the internal guidance system. It acts as the magnet that draws us, pulling us towards God and His will. So whatever your intended destiny, not by you, but by God, Whatever that intended destiny is, you're pulled towards it. And that pull is inward, not outward. It's eternal, not natural. It's your heart, not your head. And God says he wants to direct your hearts. He wants to pull you to the intended destiny of what you were created for. It is the eternal guidance system. Now, the heart is the key in defining our lives. See, we've proven that if people try to change their habits without changing their hearts, they do not change habits for the long term. What we know is the only way you change on the outside is it requires change on the inside. Lasting outside change is reflective of inside change. Why? Because the heart is the key in defining our lives. What we know is this. The heart is the key and why I say what I say. We know from Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So why I say what I say is reflective of my heart. If I want to change my verbiage, I don't change it just by biting my tongue. I change it by reorganizing my heart. So it defines our lives because why I say what I say is based on my heart. It's not only that, why I feel what I feel is based on my heart. We are told that the word of God is the only mechanism that can divide between the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions, and the heart, the spirit, and the joints and the marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What am I really feeling? Why am I feeling it? And what am I feeling? It all starts in the heart. We know that your heart is why I act the way I act. Why I act the way I act. 
Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence. Guard it. Guard it. Because out of it spring the issues, the powers, the energies, the activities of life. The reason I'm going to act certain ways is the compulsion of my heart. And I need to engage that heart with God because if I don't engage my heart with God, I will let things get in there that will push me into behavior that I don't want to have. And so God says, keep my heart. I've got to keep it. I've got to guard it. I've got to make sure that what's in this heart is really, really focused right because it is why I act the way I act. And so people say, well, why do I keep doing this? It's because it's a heart issue. It's not an action issue. Our actions on the outside are reflective of issues on the inside. So if we just respond outwardly without reacting inwardly, we will fail. So what I know about my heart, it's why I say what I say. It's why I feel what I feel. It's why I act the way I act. And it's why I value what I value. We know in Matthew 6, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Man, that just encapsulizes it. That just really says it. It's why I value. We look at some people and say, why isn't that they don't value this the way I value this? It's not where their heart is. Wherever your heart is, That's how you're going to respond in the value system. And so your treasures outwardly reflect the values inwardly. And so if I look around me and I have a great need for man-made trophies, that's because that's what's in my heart. If I have a great need for the applause of others... That's because that's what's in my heart. If I have a great need to always have the last word, that's because that's what's in my heart. So our hearts defined why I say what I say, why I feel what I feel, why I act the way I act and why I value what I value and why I live The way I live. Proverbs 27, verse 19. As in water, face reflects. So you look in a steel pool of water and you can see the reflection. So a man's heart reveals the man. Your heart is a reflection of you. It reflects who you really, really are. So, here's the thing. We can't lead without our heart. Our heart is the core content of our lives. And our heart is the key in defining our lives in every critical area. But that means that our hearts require work. I have to lift up the hood. And I've got to do some work where others don't see. So the Bible keeps telling us 
how we do heart work. And as a leader, if your heart's going to stay in the game, you've got to do work on your heart regularly or your heart will not be in the game. So your heart requires work. My heart requires work. I have to work on my heart. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I have to make sure that my heart is trusting in him. That my dependency is in him. That I'm not misplacing what I'm trusting in and where I'm trusting in. That word trust in the Hebrew is a word that is very descriptive because it's really an action more than it's an illustration. And the action is this, it refers to someone picking up maybe a boulder over their head and throwing it down, casting it down. That's the concept of trust. The idea that I'm not going to hold on to this, I'm letting go of it. It's yours. See, in life, we want to protect ourselves, but God's our protector. We want to perfect ourselves, but God's our perfecter. We want to perform ourselves, but God's the ultimate promoter. And so what God says is don't protect, don't promote Don't pretend. Trust. Just trust in me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In Job chapter 23, verse 16, I believe it's the King James that says, and God makes my heart soft. Keep a soft heart. You know, one of the reasons that we admire kids so much and one of the reasons the Bible prioritizes becoming like a child, that if you want to be in the kingdom, become like a child, is that kids have soft hearts. They have hearts that haven't been hardened by time and trouble. And because they've not been hardened They look at life as a new positive adventure every day. They don't have the cynical view of life. But what God says is, keep your heart soft. Keep your heart soft. So if you're going to do heart work, you've got to trust. You've got to roll things over on him. You've got to keep your heart soft and you've got to make Christ the goal of your heart. That you're always in the active pursuit of him. It's what Paul said in Philippians 3. I'm forgetting things that are behind and I'm pressing forward to that high prize of that call in Christ Jesus. So the Bible says, if I'm going to do heart work, I have to trust him. I have to keep a soft heart. I have to make him the goal of my heart. And then something we've already talked about, you've got to learn to keep your heart. Proverbs chapter four and verse 23. 
set a guard on it. Everything doesn't have access to your heart. Everyone doesn't have access to your heart. So you have to protect your heart from everything that wants to get in and everyone who wants access to it. And people will say, well, do you mean I don't let some things in? No, I'm saying you have to be selective. Well, I don't let everyone in? No, you have to be selective. So heart work requires a trust factor, keeping tender before God, having Christ the center, and a sense of protection. Now, if you do that, God asks you to then be aggressive with your heart. Because over in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, it says, And whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord. Your heart has to be in what you do. I began with the statement, the thing that is most frustrating to me is to walk into a room and to realize that the person who's leading a organization no longer has their heart in it. Your heart has to be in it. And the reason is your heart brings enthusiasm. You feel it. Enthused. You feel it. Your heart brings effectiveness. You do it. And your heart brings excellence. You improve it. So when you engage your heart heartily, it creates enthusiasm. You feel it. Effectiveness. You do it. And excellence, you improve it. If I could give you four things to pray about your heart, it would be these four things. Psalm 51 and verse 10. Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Pray prayers that help you become better on the inside. Everyone wants to resolve problems on the outside, but great leaders are always inventorying and praying about things on the inside. Second prayer, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and try me and show me if there's any wicked way. Expose your heart to God. In prayer. So pray things into your heart to be better. Expose your heart in prayer. Ephesians chapter 1. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of glory. That he would grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your heart be enlightened. Pray illumination on the inside. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. In prayer, let go of things in your hands that only need to be in God's hands. Let go of things in your hands 
that only need to be in God's hand. And then Psalm 19 and verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto you, O God. Pray God's standards into your heart. So pray good things in your heart. Be transparent before God with your heart. Pray the wisdom and revelation of God for your heart. Learn to let go with your heart and set God's standards for your heart. You do those things, your heart will be in the game. And what I can tell you is, everyone can tell when someone's just going through the motions. Don't be that person. Thank you so much for joining me. If I could go back again and remind you of our book opportunity, a great book that I wrote with uh, a friend of mine, Samuel Chan, Ladder Focus. If you will buy that for $15, you get any of my other books free. So basically two books for $15. You don't get that pretty well anywhere I know of anymore. And I buy a whole lot of books. And if you haven't listened to the last two lessons on the don'ts of problem solving, uh, I've received so many testimonies regarding that because it has helped people as they've organizationally gone through and thought about it. Thank you so much for joining me. I pray God's blessing upon you. The kingdom of God needs you. Make heaven bigger and the kingdom of God better. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.